Were you thinking about going legal market then? Oh when yeah. It was becoming legal. Oh yeah. Why? Welcome to Far North Tokers. This is episode 147, August 4th, 2019, with your host, Mid Tokers. Thank you all for listening. Very special show today in the annals of Alaskan cannabis history. We've got Mark Hubbard making a, a name for himself in the recreational weed growers club, if you want to say that. He's already been known as a good grower, but now more people are finding out about him. His products are going to be out in Alaskan Blooms. They're on Van Horn and Pegger. So definitely be checking that out in a month and a half, maybe. See how things go. Keep you informed about what's going on with Mark. First time I met Mark, sitting out in the car, Frank, Turney, hooking me up through Mark. Did not meet Mark, though. I waited outside for Frank. Frank went inside, talked to Mark for a little bit, smoked a joint, came back out. Frank and I left. Third time in, Mark peeks his head out. Get in here. Head in. Sit down. Start smoking away. I was overzealous about what was going on with weed. I walk in and just legal weed was going to happen. I'm working, writing applications. Going to get this thing going. Going to be participating in legal cannabis. Talking to this guy who grows awesome weed and saying, man, you need to be involved in this. Are you going to be? And just talking, talking. And Mary, anyone knows Mark? You know Mary too. Frank told me later, she was standing behind me, just waving her arms, telling Mark to shut up, don't tell me anything. Different times. She didn't know me. Eh. I'm glad Mark talked. We've had many talk sessions since then. Most of the time, he just gets to talking, and I do not know what he's talking about. It's unfair for him to have a friend like me that does not know grow talk. I'm learning a little bit, but hey. Before we get to Mark's interview... I want to share a personal story that happened this week. Blew me away. Gave me wind beneath the wings. Super inflation. Sherry Gilbert of Gina Cannabis left a message. Says she's got some great news to share with me. Besides the fact that they are still open during all this construction, go see Gina Cannabis. What could this be? I got to go in and see her, talk to her, and hear for myself what this great news is. She says, fans of Far North Tokers from the UK are here visiting Alaska this summer. They listened to the show. They thought they would come in and visit Chena Cannabis, support the sponsors of the show that they listened to. Ah! How awesome is that? If you're listening now, UK fans... If you're still here in Alaska, we should get together, come to the studio, and we will have ourselves a chat. I hope I get a chance to meet you. So excited you reached out that way and shared that with Sherry. Mm, they've just filled me up this week. Thank you for reaching out that way. I, I hope we can meet UK Far North Tokers. Here's token to you guys. The show wouldn't be possible without sponsors. Chena Cannabis. Good Cannabis. Dad Lab AK. Aurora Apothecary. Alaskan Blooms. AK Canna Ed. Frizen Farms. Green Dreams Cultivation. 
and Alaska Puffin on the go. Thank you all. What a ride. Things are just getting more exciting. Did you guys hear me on the buzz with Kemp? KFAR 660 97.5. Had a chance to be on Cannabis Radio here in Fairbanks. Who'd have thought it? It's great being in there. Thanks, Kemp, for having me on. Lots going on with Far North Tokers. Let's get to the interview. It's been too long, me talking. Here's Mark Harbert. Mark, welcome to Far North Tokers. We've tried a few times, twice, I think, that I can remember, where I think it was right in the very beginning, and I was just dying to get content from people, and I was like, here, Mark, talk, talk into this. Hit record, and everything got quiet. I think Frank was around, so Frank was talking, doing something. Oh, yeah. He can definitely fill some airspace up. Then we got rolling. You bounced around between a couple places, and I've enjoyed my uh, relationship with you from the beginning of, right at the beginning of, well, the end of illegal weed. Yep. What I bet you, being, Frank was bringing me over to your place. I'm hanging out in the car. <laughs> Frank's like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. You just wait out here. And it was one of the things of the problems of black market. You never know who is coming into your place, right? Mm-hmm. So you just keep it. I'm not going to let anybody in. And you, mm-hmm. you might, it might not have been that way, but Frank was respecting your space and you seemed kind of a private guy and not wanting to bring people around so much. But the one that I... First day, you stuck your... Maybe, I think I sat out there three times. You stuck your head out. Get in here! <laughs> so, I walk in. And I am hepped up on goofballs about legal market coming on. You're meeting me right when I'm trying to think about business plans and how we're going to do that. And you've already got a business plan rolling doing your thing for a long time. Were you thinking at that time to, that was in what, maybe legalization of 2014? So this might have been 2015, like beginning of 2015 when I met you? Probably about then, yeah. Because the the growers didn't start till what, 16? 16, late 16, I think, or something. Yeah. Because then it got legalized, and then you had to do the process of getting all your licenses and stuff in. Yep. 14, and then it had to go a year. So, were you thinking about going legal market then? Oh, when yeah. it was becoming legal? Oh, yeah. Why? Just because I enjoy growing. <laughs> and and here know. it is, be it legal now? Yeah, and I know that I just like the quality of the weed that I had. I had a lot of good strains. I've had a lot of good strains. So you thought you could do it, not only that you just wanted to, but you thought you'd be successful with it. Yeah, I think so. I thought so. (coughs) 
Chena Cannabis, North Pole Cannabis Dispensary, 1725 Richardson Highway between North Pole and Fairbanks, right before the Badger Road exit. You're going to love this place. Convenient access right off the highway as you're hitting the lakes this summer or about this trip on the way out of town. Stock up on those special in-house strains. Taffy, sourdough, fruity pebbles, Bruce Banner, green crack. Always a $5 pre-roll and special and $10 grams. Concentrates, buy good cannabis, good titrations, edibles, AK Frost, good cannabis gummies. Head on over to Chena Cannabis. Check out the full menu on Leafly.com. Open Monday through Friday, 10 a.m., 9 p.m., Sunday, noon to 6. You don't have to drive all the way to Fairbanks for your cannabis needs. Save your time. Get your quality cannabis at Chena Cannabis, your North Pole Cannabis Dispensary. Chena Cannabis. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. There are health risks associated with the consumption of marijuana. For use only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Where'd you, where were you born? I was born in Washington. Hmm, I didn't think that. Why? And then you have family in Montana or something? You moved? Yeah, we moved. We lived in, I grew up until second grade in Washington and then moved to Montana. What took you guys east? My dad was an engineer for the Milwaukee Railroad. <laughs> Building, uh, no, oh, like a... Engineer, <laughs> yeah, like locomotive. Huh. My dad rode in the caboose for oh, wow. um, B&L Railroad on the east coast. Well. It was just following train tracks, like moving from one to one area to another. Well, that was where the job was, and so he was stationed out of this little tiny town, population like 200 people, in the middle of the mountains of Montana called Alberton. They just had a little railroad there. station there, just for the where they'd switch out engineers and brakemen and stuff, and that was where we were. I grew up out in the mountains, Montana. I mean, my nearest neighbor was like a mile away, and we were a couple miles out of town. Breathing clean air. Oh yeah, clean water. Hunting, fishing, was, yeah, all that kind of everything. stuff. Everything, yeah. I mean, we grew, I grew up, I was trapping when I was in second grade, third grade. Had my own little trap line going. Yeah, that's something with a lot of people. If you're not native up here, they look at you and think you can't live a subsistence life. And a lot of people that moved to Alaska started a subsistence life in their own states. Oh, yeah. That's why they're up here enjoying that part. When did you, you said second grade, so like maybe eight Nine. Seven. What? Seven, eight. I was a year younger than everybody. Second grade. I was advanced a year. Oh, like skip a grade or something? Yeah. Awesome. So, me and two other people. Wow, fancy. Yep. So was it, were you like, big in school too? Yeah. So you were smart and then it was easy to move you because you well, had to look like you fit easy physically, but mentally, right. you know, a year older kid's a lot different than grade school. Interesting. So you, did you find trouble with that? No, I just felt kind of awkward. Puberty-wise and mentality-wise and like I just what felt you're thinking like, about? Yeah, I was thinking about different things than they were, you know, even like a year difference in age. Right. Just, I've always been kind of quiet a little bit, listen to what's going on around me and absorb it in more than I say things out. <laughs> That's a good way to be. You don't, you don't look stupid that way. Yeah, you've always seemed quiet to me. I've, I've heard some stories where you weren't so quiet, but I'm glad I've known you as, as quiet, Mark. Yeah, I'm usually pretty quiet. It takes a little bit to get me ruffled. 
Well, it's a good way to be. I mean, big enough so things don't start, right? I hope. When did cannabis come in? Did you, do you remember a word for cannabis before you saw it or knew what it was? Marijuana. That's what I always remember it being called. Was that marijuana Where did you see stuff? It? When did it? That marijuana stuff. Yes, that's what my parents and everybody would always say that marijuana stuff. When, like, when you were before you've seen it. Skunky, skunk weed. Oh. I remember him hearing calling it skunk weed for a, while, a couple times. But today we're not consumers. Well, I my mom wasn't. I don't. My dad might have a couple times, but I don't know because I remember. The first plant that I ever saw was in my parents' garden when I was like second or third grade. And I just remember asking my mom in front of my dad, of course, I said, why does that one tomato plant not have flowers on it like the rest of them? Because I've always been into gardening, you know, I mean, I've always just had a natural thing for growing plants. My mom goes, I don't know, let me go see. And I guess as she looked at it, she might have realized what it was and told my dad to cut that damn thing down. And my dad had me cut it down and then go throw it in the burn barrel where I proceeded with a lighter that I'd stolen from somewhere trying to burn this green plant in the garbage can while I bent over in it. <laughs> Thinking that you're going to get high off of it? I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't right, know but why would you even think about it? I don't know. I don't have a clue. Why I wanted to smoke it, I have no idea. Maybe because the first time I ever smelled it was at a street dance in that town. They had a big get-together on the 4th of July for like a week where they'd shut the town down. And there'd be like 5,000 bikers come in. And it'd be this huge party in this little tiny town. First time I smelled it was walking down the street. And I knew what it was. I don't know why I knew what it was. Being 8 years old? Yeah. But your parents talked about it being that marijuana They didn't really talk about it. In, in instances like that, if they were to smell it in public, that's when I remember them saying something about it. So maybe it would have come up then. Yeah. You guys smelt it and your parents were all hey, that marijuana I stuff. I guess, I guess. But right. That's how first it time I smelled it, I was interested in what that was. I mean... It piqued your interest. Cigarettes, yuck. I mean, they always turned me off. I hated the smell of them. But that marijuana stuff... <laughs> yes, I... I I remember going to a concert and my friend said, I was going to my first concert and went to see The Who in RFK Stadium and uh, 15 or 14 and my friend's like, you're going to smell pot there. You're going to smell pot. What? How am I going to know? How am I going to know what it is? He's like, you'll know. You'll just know. And yeah, that was the first time. I remember thinking, that's got to be it. That's got to be that. Every once in a while I get a smell of that that original smell that I smelled the first time, but not too much anymore because I smoke a lot better weed. Yes, we do. I don't know, I've really been fortunate my whole life, man. I grew up in a university town, Missoula, basically, and there was always weed coming into that town, not to mention it was like one of the small town, according to High Times at that point in my life, it was in the 80s, it was one of the small town, like number one or two for being indoor cultivation places. Mm, like starting figuring things out and I mean I I started out first time I smoked I was like seventh grade and I remember my friend asking me we were going to a we were making fly poles at this fly tying class that we were taking as kids I remember on the way there they're like hey you want to smoke this stuff with us and I'm like sure whatever so we smoked it and they were all acting stupid ass but I didn't I didn't feel high or nothing you know so I just never really I didn't think it worked or whatever. 
And then I remember the first time I got high, it was like a year later. The, just, just the second time after this? That yeah, I was in eighth grade and we'd gone to Washington with our whole family and we were visiting my stepdad's relatives. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. This week's Hollyweed, sponsored by Matt Wade with Century 21. We share clips from movies that you may have forgotten or missed that contain cannabis. Do you know which movie this is from? Competition? You won this for raising a pig? Yeah, first place. Does anybody know about it? Everybody knows. Vicky, uh, don't get offended, but being a farmer is not too cool, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, how cool is this? Lobby to get ourselves a treat. Are you looking to list or searching for your perfect property? Well, contact Matt Wade at Century 21 Gold Rush, community member for over 20 years, helping you through the real estate buying and selling process. Matt Wade, C21 at gmail.com. M-A-T-W-A-D-E-C21 at gmail.com. 907-978-0127. Helping you through the process. Matt Wade, Century 21 Gold Rush. They had a 17-year-old daughter. My sister was, I think, 15, and I was 13. And I remember, she's like, hey, you wanna go out? We can go see my boyfriend and shit. And we're like, all right, whatever, we'll go see the town, you know? So, as soon as we pick him up, she turns around and looks at us and goes, do you guys get high? And my sister and I both, sure. <laughs> you know, why not? That was the first time that I ever had University bud too. That was the first time I ever smoked it. And you talk a lot about the university bud, man. It, yeah, and it's uh, I remember smoking a joint with them, and I remember just being so fucking high. I remember just feeling like I was my teeth were falling out, and I remember feeling like I was floating kind of. And I just remember the lights looked different because we were up on like Washington, George Washington Hill or whatever the hell it was, Washington Hill or whatever, and you could see down the main strip. And it's like all the stoplights and all the traffic on a Saturday night and stuff. It was just, it was pretty interesting being so high, you know. Yes, I've heard it described, I'm, I'm so high, it's like Christmas. Yeah, it's that sparkly. feeling of yeah. the lights everywhere, like a Christmas tree. Yeah, it's different. That was the first time I got high, man, I was ripped. Hooked? Oh, I was ripped. 
Were you hooked then? Just like I, oh, yeah. I like this. I, I, I was, I, yeah, I've never stopped smoking. Did you drink at the same time? Were, were you were you drinking alcohol? Uh, you know, at that age, you know, me and my buds, my f- best friends, maybe we'd sneak a bottle of homemade wine or something from his parents or something stupid, or, you know, once a year maybe get really drunk on something, but not really at that age. You know, as we hit Some more high school and stuff, it was more like, you know, I only smoked like once a year, a couple of times a year, up until I was like a junior. And then at that point... What changed? Money. Nah, I had a job. Once you have a job, it's way more av- available. <laughs> right, because pe- the, the people that didn't hang out with you before, that you're always siphoning off their herb. Yeah. You're like, hey, let me get now. Well, basically, I you know, we, I was really fortunate because my best friend that I, I hate to say, we just went to his funeral hmm. a couple weeks ago. Anyway, he, uh, his brother was like three years older than us, and he had all the hookups, and so he'd always get his bags, you know, back when it was twenty five bucks for a quarter ounce of. Killer bud then. I mean, so you we had no safety then. issues at that time. No, it was were you ever ripped different. off? Maybe for like a gram or an eighth or something. Or just being shy. Yeah, yeah it was real different back then. I mean, I didn't get ripped off very often. You knew everybody. I knew everybody. I mean, we knew everybody. It was pretty rare for someone to really rip you off. You might get a short bag. Or, uh-huh. Well, they picked out of it. I remember it's one time. I remember a bunch one time. I bought a pound of weed. And this motherfucker, excuse me, put a. This podcast man. put a uh, big old like eight gram rock <laughs> like out of the damn gravel bar in the bag in the middle of this big pound of weed, and it was definitely concealed. Trying to oh yeah, I didn't even notice it was there because I'd bought it so many times before from him and until I got down to like the middle of the bag and I'm like clunk, I pull this thing out. And I'm like what the so never I seen that before. Up. I call him up and he goes he starts laughing because he knew this was an out of the ordinary call. So he's like, "Oh, you found it, huh?" I'm like, "What the?" <laughs> was he just busting balls, or yeah, he was being okay. an ass. But he made it up. Oh. He was just being an ass. Did you see what would happen? Yeah, <laughs> pretty funny. That's good. Grow up in a place where you had no safety issues. Did so? You did you know who was growing it at that time? Back in those days, a couple of people. But for the most part, not. Like you were getting it from someone and they didn't know who was growing it. Usually still they, a couple people were away. We pretty much knew the person that knew the person that they were getting it from. Okay, so only one step away. Yeah, it's just, it was pretty tight-lipped back then because... Yeah. It was know, tight-lipped Mon- even a couple years ago. Yeah, but I mean, Montana was even way different. I mean, it's still, even though it's medically legal, it's way different down there about even talking about it now. I know, Alaska, we're so spoiled. We're so lucky yeah, to is. be here. And that's, you know, that's truly why I lived here. Because even back when I first moved up here in the 80, like mid-85, 85, I moved up into Anchorage. I just liked the people. It was a lot like Montana was, except at that point in Montana, we were getting all the influx from Californians that were sick of all the rules and regulations that they were putting on everybody, and they had a bunch of money, so they were moving out of California to Montana. Buying all the land up. Buying all these big ranches up from farmers that were broke, and bang, all of a sudden you can't go out down into any of these properties, you can't go out in the woods hardly, because they started changing all the laws and stuff there and pushing for regulations of everything. and. 
That's why I left Montana. I mean, you can't hardly go out into the mountains in Montana anymore if you're not on a main road. You, I mean, I, we grew up with cattrails from all the logging. There's roads everywhere out in the mountains, but about 86, 87, they made it to where you couldn't even really go out into the mountains. Feeling pressure? Yeah, I just hated it. I don't like people telling me what I can and can't do. I never have. Mm-hmm. That's another reason I think part of one of the reasons I've grown weed. When was it that you knew who was growing it? Probably. I knew a few people like in the '90s and stuff. You knew of them, or you were I friends them. with them, and they were selling you. But once I, crop. once I, like, when I moved into Anchorage. Oh, so not, not in Montana. You never knew any growers. I knew like two growers, but they were friends that we hung out with. But they never had like, I never saw their grows, but I knew that they were growing because I knew they were. But not very many people knew about it. We didn't really talk about it with anybody else. I know. It was, it was understood. Yeah. So you weren't growing and in Montana. At that point, that I wasn't really growing. I started to, in that vicinity of time, I set a couple of people up and taught them how to grow. How? No, I mean, how did you know how to grow? I knew how to grow tomatoes and shit from growing vegetables my whole life. Started there. And that's back in the days when it was Miracle miracle Grow. And thank God Peters came out with their line of like five different kinds, you know. <laughs> that made it a lot easier. But it, I'm glad those days are over. So you, you knew people that were wanted to grow, so you were kind of helping them set up a little yeah. grow. Why didn't you have one? Why weren't you growing? It takes money. I was paranoid. I really was for the longest time. But then I moved up here in like 85. And by 86, I started growing because I'd moved down with my, moved up here originally with my dad and stepmom down in Anchorage. And it wasn't even a year, probably six months, and I moved out. was in my own place. Probably I started growing within a month, probably. You know, just a cheesy little. Just because I would, just to grow a plant. It was legal to grow. You know, that's what everyone would, you could grow it. As long as you didn't have more than six plants, which I never even had that. I normally, I'd had like one plant at a time back in those days under a, those old spotlight growing show bulbs, you know. It was terrible. Pretty plants, but you know what you're going to get mm-hmm. with that kind Straggle. of life. Straggle. Yeah. I wish I'd had a few of those strains back in those days now. There were some pretty impressive strains back in those days. Would you lose that you wish you'd have back now? Right now, of all the strains I wish I had, was I wish I had UW. And I wish I had my Colette strain still. Mm-hmm. How did you get the Colette strain? Originally? Uh-huh. One of my good friends up here knew... Well, I knew one of the guys that knew them and he was growing with it. And I got it once from him and then... I never cloned it and lost it. 
and then he ended up killing himself. So I never had that access to it anymore, but another good friend of mine knew somebody else that was doing it. But we didn't realize it was the same strain because they did it so shitty. And it was just always so full of plant food that it was really rare for us to smoke it because it was just so terrible tasting. So one day, my friend like, calls me up and says, dude, you gotta come over and check this out. And I'm like, what? He goes, remember that shit we get all the time? Just take, not all the time, once in a while. We get that taste so terrible. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, I got a clone from him. Man, you gotta check this stuff out. So I get over there, man. I walk down in his basement and just instantly, it's like the smell of stale beer cans and overripe tropical fruit. It's just this All crazy smell. Yeah. So you knew it. You knew that was it. I didn't know it was the strain at the time. But it, what it is, <laughs> I know what the strain is because I'd seen it because it's one of the strains I'd grown earlier in my life. And that was the Northern Lights 5 Stone number one. Oh, is that what, M39? M39, and now it's known as Shiva Skunk. That's true, the newest Yeah, you taught me something because that's one of my favorites too. Just knowing yeah. some story behind it and it tastes so good and yeah I loved it so that's what he was growing the M39 that yeah. was Colette yeah and Northern Lights and Northern Skunk. Lights 5 Skunk number 1 took a cannabis cup in I believe it was 89 do you know how he got it you got seeds of it I think he got it like in 91 or 2 or 3 or something because I know I got it in 96 from him how do you know that was that's what the strain is I've, I've grown it before. Just seen it and smoked yeah. it and just know it. I grew a couple of plants of it. Not of his cut, but of the same genetics. And it was real super similar. But I know that's what it was because I've talked, I've talked with guys that do it since then. Is it still around? Is that the MTF of Fairbanks? No. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the MTF of Fairbanks. That's funny. Um... I don't know if it's around. I know there's seeds of it still being done, but you know as everything. Once you don't have that cut anymore, it's not really the same plant. It's similar genetics, but they're not that stabilized most of the time to where you're going to just pull the same plant after plant, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I believe that was one of those phenomenal cuts. I mean, I know it was. I have no doubt. I'm sure it tested. If you'd have tested that strain... I know it would have tested in the high 20s. I know it would have, because it just annihilated you. Did I'm you telling get... you, that's the only strain that I've ever had to tell people. If you feel like you're having a heart attack after you start smoking this, and it's not because you got that racy, speedy feeling, but it's because all of a sudden you just get this anxiety panic attack would happen, and you don't realize that's what it is at first, so your heart starts pounding. Two of my friends have gone to the emergency room thinking they were having heart attacks, even after I've told them that. And then huh, the one guy that told him, oh, you must have smoked some weed that was laced. <laughs> was there something on that? And I'm like, what are you talking about, something on that? He goes, like, laced with something. And I'm like, get the hell out of here, man. That's just quality weed. <laughs> so if we all look for Shiva Skunk, that's going to be a similar to what the collective Supposedly, we might be getting a cut in. All right, Alaska Blooms? Yeah. Nice. And it's a good, legitimate cut. Tests in the high 20s which is pretty rare. Is it? It's usually like an 18 to 22% strain. Oh, for that strain. You just occasionally find, like I said, those real rare cuts of it that is just phenomenal. When did you go from 
growing to selling it? Did someone want to just, hey, let me have some of that? Oh, I'm sure. Let me think. I'm sure it was as soon as I started growing, I was selling it. Just your friends are hanging out yeah. and just all take some of that. That's where I've been real fortunate, man. I've always, for the most part, never really had anything big enough that wouldn't pretty much supply my friends. Mm, nice. So I never really had to worry about selling to somebody I didn't know or making it obvious. I was super fortunate. So I guarantee you, they knew I was doing shit when I was in Montana. Guarantee it. Because I did get busted for growing there once. Now what happened? Got a year and a half deferred sentence. Because I have no priors and shit. Just in your house? Yeah, I had, I had nine plants on a three-by-three three table. They valued it. It's, and I'm telling you, this is a sea of green. Two feet tall mm-hmm. by three-by-three. Three. They valued it at $67,600. And this is back in the day when... So seven, was it 7,000 a pound? It's, it's no, stream value, whatever it is. It's some crazy. Plant. Yeah, it's, it's crazy amount. It's like $2,500 so a like plant. Two pound but I had like 25 clones going too. So they considered all those plants too. At mature, at oh, they were plant. five inches tall. Oh. It didn't matter. They but they were saying they say it's mature. valued at twenty five, twenty five hundred bucks a plant or something like that. It's oh. crazy. So the next thing I know, I'm getting this bill from the IRS that says we're charging you. It was some crazy shit like eight thousand dollars in taxes <laughs> for selling your weed because I had weed, illegal weed that had the potential of that much money, so I had that much income, supposedly, I would have gotten from it, so they were going to charge me taxes for it. And I didn't realize that there was, like, a big thing going on where there were people fighting in the courts and shit already. Well, that's crazy. I never heard of that. Yeah. Well, yeah. And needless to say, I didn't ever have to worry about it. Just ignore it. It was dealt with before I ever had to go to court or anything through the Supreme Court. I mean, they fought it. I wonder if that's probably... Part of the evolution of 280E and all that stuff, huh? It might be. They can't charge you taxes on an income you never got. Right, yeah. So that was the whole issue with that, illegal or not. Maybe if you admitted to it for 25 years that I'd done it or something, maybe sure they'd say, oh my God, then potentially it was this much. (laughs) Then you left Montana and you're like, I'm out of here after that? Yeah, I left Montana, came up here on probation. I was here like two weeks, started smoking (laughs) on probation because my probation officer was drunk and all I had to do was go in and say, hey, how's it going? Fill up my paperwork and say, have a great day. I'm working. I had a job right off the bat, so she never worried about me. And then the last three months of probation come up and needless to say, I'd read about it, but I didn't know that what I was reading about was her that this person had ran over an H.A. and his girlfriend and killed her. He lost a leg, I believe, and she was drunk. And the fucking trooper took her home. The chief that came in, on, that was on duty at the time, came in and took her home and away from her because it was an H.A. sitting there. And never charged her with anything, dude. I'm telling you, they put a price out on her head, I guarantee it. Because, needless to say, a couple weeks later, she was no longer in town. 
she was out of town as a PO somewhere else. So needless to say, long story long, I get this phone call from the adult probation and parole office and it's Miss Joa Jawaka. Is this Mark Hubbard? And I'm like, yes it is. And she's like, I need you in here tomorrow. And I'm like, okay. So I came in. And she's, I sit down and she looks at me. She's like, who are you? <laughs> who are you? Well, I, I, I hardly know, sir. I've changed so many times since this morning, you see. I do not see. Explain yourself. I'm afraid I can't explain myself, sir. Because I'm not myself, you know. I do not know. Well, I can't put it any more clearly, for it isn't clear to me. You? Who are you? Well, don't you think you ought to tell me... <coughs> who you are first? I'm like, excuse me? And she goes, I know you're on probation. But I have nothing about you in your file. I said, she goes, I have a stack of papers that you've been here every month, but I know nothing about you. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you, I don't know what to say, you know. And she goes, well, I would like you to go down to this such and such an address and I would like you to give me your analysis. And I'm like, okay. And she goes, are you gonna pass? And I said, probably not. She goes, okay. I will be in touch with you. Needless to say, a few days later, got a phone call. Needed to go make another appearance down there. <laughs> so I went down there. And I go walking in. I'm expecting to go to jail, get violated, whatever, you know. And she sets me down. And she goes, I don't know what you did in Montana. But when I called them and asked them if they wanted me to violate you, because that's where I came out of probation from, she goes, they said, hell no, we do not want him back here. That was her exact comment. And she quoted it to me. And she goes, so this is the case. I can't violate you, but I can extend your probation out indefinitely if you don't piss clean from now on. But thank God I only had three months. So I only had to clean up for three months. <laughs> she made it hard for you, but it's pretty three straight, months. right? Yeah. I was fortunate, man. That was fucking... A year and a half, basically, that I didn't, or minus the three months, that I didn't have to not smoke. Was there anything else going on besides your weed that you're growing? No. They didn't want you back there? Oh, back there? Dude, I was involved in it. Nothing other than yeah, a little dude, bit of They didn't want you back. A little bit of this and that. We partied a lot, you know? I mean, we didn't really do, like, any of the powders or any of that shit, but we did everything else. We ate mushrooms, we ate acid, we did all that, you know? Yes. Pretty lucrative year, one year. As far as what? How much you made growing and selling? Or how much we consumed and made and partied and... You had fun? Yeah, for a long time. More than a year. Probably for like 30 years of my life. <laughs> it's been real nice, you know, since legalization. I've just stepped back and I've just been legal. And it, I was paranoid once it went legal, you know. I was expecting everybody to get busted that was black market. I just watched all these people around me that just flaunted it everywhere. Oh, yeah. 
And I'm just like, oh my God, dude, that's like public domain. And you're just saying, hey, dude, here I am with my orange vest on, waving in the middle of the street, selling weed. <laughs> oh. It's, you guys are insane. It's calmed down. Do you think everyone's just got their connections now? Yeah. I'd bet you that. And wreck weed prices coming down. Yeah, that helps. The quality of the wreck weed's gotten better a little bit. Yeah, depending on yeah who who you're getting it from. Yeah. You've always been getting good or I think when I first met you you were just saying you just wanted to be you wanted to be smoking good herbs so you grew it. It seems like a lot of people I talked to. Dude, that's grow. why I started growing it really was because I just got so sick and tired of buying a really nice bag of weed and you know, because back in them days, back in minimum wage ass days making three seventy five an hour or four fifty an hour or something, you know. It takes a lot of hours to build up enough money to survive, let alone buy a $25 quarter ounce of weed. Yes. So, if it wasn't a premium, you know, I was was super spoiled. Because like I said, when I lived in Montana, I rarely got anything that wasn't good. I mean, there was like six months that we dealt with some brick weed for a while, but that was it. And then it was gone again, thank God. And that's when the BC weed kicked in. So we got, at least it was BC weed, it wasn't. It was commercial still, but not nearly the seed-ridden crap from the southern border. Oh, that's all we had. That's all I had growing up. Thank God we did, man. I was fortunate. I grew up on roadkill and shit like that. Man, you couldn't couldn't hide the weed. You had to fucking keep it away from people. Because there was nothing made that would keep that smell off you. It was like you had a pet skunk in your pocket. I think I was talking to you before about those kind of strains being grown out from when the market came not the market but when people would grow indoors they don't want to grow those strains because it just it smelled so much so a lot of those busted. strains that's what happened they, that's how they found a lot of the people is they were almost killer strains and they smelled so damn much that they'd bring you right to it because back in those days you didn't have nothing that was worked for air filtration really oh right doing it in your house you know if you weren't 30 miles from everybody and you still had to be careful when the power guy came to read your meter because it's still read fucking 500 feet from your house. I mean, that's what got me busted the last time was growing six plants. I was growing skunk number one, and I was growing this weed we called uh, the pole. And it was a Northern Lights crossed with MTF. Hmm. And it was pretty good. That was the true MTF it was crossed with because it was back in the day. Yeah, you could smell that shit out in the middle of the street in front of my house. <laughs> yeah, so you're definitely in in a prosecuting. Only well, had six plants, so I never doing. got prosecuted though. Oh, uh, they would because I, mean, I was right in that area of time when they. I still had my six plants, so I wasn't over. I think it was like a pound of weed or something. Did someone come in and bust you for it? Oh, yeah. They only found six and it's that, nothing yeah, happened? Yeah. Well, they were banging on walls looking for fake walls in my basement and shit. Dumbass fuckers. Oh, man. So the electric company caught you? No. What the caught you? The smell out in my fucking neighbor's yard too many days that he was tired of smelling it. Oh, and he's called Drop the Dime. Yeah. That was funny because he thought I was going to go to jail. He was standing out there watching him while he... They came in with their AKs or whatever the fuck they use. I don't know what they had. A bunch of automatic weapons, you know. Oh, scary looking things. They're all standing at my front door. 
It was so funny, dude. I wish just I to had, come in. I wish that I had a video camera going just to video this because they were standing at my front door, all of them with their guns pointing at it, right? Like six of them. And then three or four standing behind them just at ease, kind of not really pointing their guns at nobody because it would have been in the back of their head. This and is how year is this? This is, oh, what year was that? I would have to say it was like 93, probably. In Anchorage? No, this is up here. When I got busted in Anchorage, it was a big bust. So they came to the door with weapons Yeah, four or six planes. Oh, yeah. Well, it's not good. Still. I'm telling you. But anyway, I come out my garage door right behind them, and they don't even realize I'm standing there. None of them do. And oh, I was like, man. can I help you? And oh, my God, I thought they all shit their pants right in front of me because they were all, like, clanking guns together and shit, spinning around, hitting each other like they... <laughs> Keystone cops. It really was. I'd be. Were you afraid of even to say anything that you would get shot upon? Or no, I. I'm kind of weird, dude. I've never really had that fear factor. You can point a gun at me. Oh, of guns, but of most things, I really am different. I don't know. It takes a lot to really get me shook. You can point a gun at me, and I don't. I didn't feel like I'd have been shot for any reason because I wasn't doing anything to get shot. Who knows if that's the case, but that's how I've always felt. So I've really never freaked out when they pointed a gun at me. I mean, for the most part, cops are probably somewhat legitimate, you know. Right. What they do when they ask you who you are? Oh, they all, are you Mark Hubbard? And I'm like, yes. And they're like, we have a warrant for your, to search your premises. And I'm like, okay. So they came in, set me down in my living room. I got like this this fucking uh, coffee table that was made from an old barn's planks. And it's got this thing in the middle for magazines, and it was all made by me. Old wood weighed like 100 pounds, you know, because it was big, thick, like three-inch, three-and-a-half-inch planks. Anyway, I'm sitting on my couch, and these guys are going through my house. I'm here banging on the walls and taking all my bongs and breaking them and shit, and looking for the weed and I went to my freezer and pulled out like a a butter dish basically a weed because I was waiting to harvest I was just about out you know I was like two days from harvesting so my six plants were fucking ripe as hell and they looked great shit and they fucking where's the rest of your plants and I'm like what are you talking about and they're like well we can smell them and I said, like you can't tell that those are the ones as soon as they started cutting them down did you just get this huge aroma upstairs it was like Why realizing Oh, because they had to take tear them out by the roots and take the whole root and everything. But if you're allowed to have them, why were they taking them? Because they thought it was over my limit, whatever the weight was at the time. Oh, a weight limit. Yeah, for a felony. But I wasn't. So. So it wasn't necessarily a plant thing back then? No. It was right. They were trying to fight it at the time. That was one of the couple times they were challenging Raven. Oh, and you just had to be one of the people. I was. I didn't. Wasn't the one challenging it, but it, someone was going through the courts. And I remember, it changed like two or three mm-hmm. times how they'd charge you or what they'd allow, what they wouldn't allow. And right. then all of a sudden, they started actually kind of going after people a little bit. I was right at the end of when they started going after. Right at the beginning of when they started going after people. And so, I guess they don't have to pay for all this. Did they? Did you get your plans back? No. Oh no. But at the same time. They didn't get the fucking eight pounds that was sitting in my table either. Oh, in your rack? Because my table would flip if you rolled it over, which it was heavy. You'd fucking, you know, you got to make it move to do it. Mm-hmm. 
there was like a place right above that piece where I built it in for the magazines to go, where you could set shit right above it, and that's what I do. I just set shit up above it. That was my hiding spot. Oh, man. I can't believe it. I How far we've come in not that long a time. That people are coming, that police are coming in with firearms to well, take no. your, to cut your six plants down in well, legal time. I, I know why. Because I bypassed a section of my life when I lived in Wasilla. And that was Let's one rewind. <laughs> Dab Lab AK, winner of Cannabis Classic 2017, Alaska's best glass shop. And there's no doubt as to why. High quality, American-made glass, none of this cheap import stuff. With the best CBD and accessories available on the market, all in a comfortable, professional setting at competitive prices. Support local, College Road, Fairbanks. I'm going to let my buddy Alaska Red tell you. For the highest quality glass that you're going to find in Alaska, head on down to my buddy's shop, Dab Lab AK, 3410 College Road. That's Dab Lab AK, 3410 College Road, Fairbanks, Alaska. 10 to 9, Sunday through Thursday, open till 11, Friday to Saturday. For all your cannabis accessory needs, Dab Lab AK. Backtrack provided by Alaska Red, Lyrical Sticker. Okay, well, when I first started growing, it was in Montana, but it was a short little thing. And then I moved up here, and I lived in Anchorage from the end of 85 till 89. Like I said, within a few months of living, a couple, three months of living in Anchorage, I moved out of my parents' place and into my own and started growing. Well, I did stupid little things, you know, like I said, with spotlights and shit for the first, like, year or so, year and a half. And then I actually met this guy who I just ran back into the other day that is the guy that introduced me to the University Bud. We call it University Bud. Back in Montana? No, in Anchorage. And when I moved there, like I said, I started working at this place in Arby's. <laughs> and he started working there too the same day. And we just clicked. So he's like asking for a ride home. And I'm like, sure, man, I'll hook you up, give you a ride. And I'm taking him home. And he goes, can we stop at my friend's place? I need to pick up four clones. And I'm like, okay. So we go over to this guy's place that I, I know still. And uh, he gets these four clones from him. And the guy's all panicking because his plants are dying. And this is the first time I met him. When I go into this apartment building that's full of fucking plants, and these plants are dying, and this guy is learning how to do aeroponics. And I'm talking like hanging roots, spraying onto them, and shit like that. I mean, doing the real shit back in the day. One of the pioneers, huh? Yeah. And he learned a valuable lesson, and I was just happened to be there to learn that. He's the person that taught me how to, to grow, truly. He was. I mean, he taught me how to read my water, how to read... Read the runoff of your water, read the water, your deep water culture, whatever it is. You can read your water and tell what's happening to your plant before you ever see it happening to your plant. And, man, he learned a valuable lesson that day, and that's when you use those sprayers. You can't let it dry up as much as he was letting it dry because 
in that drying of it, those salts would start to crystallize. And then when he'd spray more on, because it was like it'd spray like every 15 minutes or something. And every time it'd spray, there'd be a little bit of crystal buildup, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And over like a six-day period of time, it killed his plants. Mm. And they looked fine until that two-hour period that they died. And you watched them all die? And, well, I just happened to be in there when he was freaking out about it because they were, they were dead like an hour later. And he saved like two mothers out of that whole thing by rinsing them under tap water, washing the salts off of them. And he got two plants to live out of all of this whole room and shit. And we just by chance happened to get four cuttings from him that day. So that was how I got introduced to the university bud. And then a week and that later, was the university bud? Yeah. Then this all went down? Yeah. And then a week later, I moved in with that guy that I took over there. We moved into a place together and started growing. And so I started growing, truly growing, with 2,000 waters that I bought and shit, you know, metal halide and high pressure. Uh-huh. Thinking I was the shit, my four-gallon buckets. And uh, did pretty good, man. That university bud's a bomb shit. I mean, I have yet to ever smoke anything that compares to that. And I smoked a lot of damn weed. Do you know, what's that string? M, what the hell is that? M13, what is that? G13? G13, yeah. It's G13, but it came from the Mississippi's pharmaceutical <coughs> lab. They got it into the University of Seattle's pharmaceutical lab in like 72 or 3, I think it was 73. And they took this, the, they were doing genetic research on marijuana, trying to eliminate THC at the genetic level. And one of the things that they did is they polyploided the plant, or tetraploided it even, I think, but I know it was at least polyploided. It's like all your GMO shit. They make it super hardy. It changes everything about it, kind of, in a way. It makes it soup, man. I'm telling you, you can run over one of these plants in your car and it'd be up standing up growing the next day again. <laughs> They're super hardy. You could clone them and they'd root in like four days. Uh, it made it a paired chromosome. Instead of being like all, cell, all plants are, have two cell mitosis, in cell division. Mm-hmm. When you polyploid it, it actually makes it four cell groups that split into pairs mm-hmm. and reform fours and split into pairs again. And it makes it a paired chromosome instead of a single. And I'm telling you, dude, it ups the potency of it, doubled the potency and everything. You can still buy the weed on the rec market in Washington if you know the person to get it from because it's pretty hard to get it. And the stuff that Mary got was 31%. But I'm telling you, man. Was it the same that you kind of remember? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, I used to take everybody, the first time they smoked my weed, and I, I swear to God, stack the Bible, I'll swear on it, dude. I put five little bong hits out that you could suck down in one hit and a thousand bucks. I was back in my baller days. And fucking, you smoke those five bong hits in 15 minutes, and you stay awake for 60 more, that's your thousand bucks. And I never lost my money. I've never seen a weed that has that heavy of a body high. I mean, university. even a heavy smoker, even a heavy smoker, take two or three, two bong rips. And it's like your arms gain 50 pounds mm-hmm. and you just fall asleep. It just puts you out. I don't care who you are. Would you say that is your, just your favorite strain of all time? 
it's what really made me into the indica freak that I am. I just like that heavy high. I learned how to fight through it and function. Right. And yeah, I like feeling that way. I like feeling that that tired. I guess. Yeah. Tired, but forcing myself to stay awake. Do you smoke sativas? Some. Just Some of my around? sativas. So you... Some like of the sativas I have. Only because when I do my pheno hunting in my sativas, look, I've got five different sativas. When I pheno hunt for them, I personally am looking for my indica sides of those phenols. <laughs> and I've been real fortunate. Like my Tillamook strawberry, I pulled the Banner 3 pheno out of it which is way shorter than any other pheno that I've ever seen. I've never seen another pheno like the one I have. And it's impressive. You love that Tillamook strawberry, don't you? Every time I see you, you talk about that one. It's That's one your... of my favorites. It's a huge producer that we'll see shortly what it's going to test because it's in legal market now. Oh, right here? In Alaska yeah. Blooms? Nice. Yeah, I've got like more than I should have in here. Um, what's that mean? Representation? Yeah. I've brought in, I would say, probably like 15 or 16 strains. When you say should have, what does that mean? Like you, you have more than you should have in here? Like representation? Well, I have, more, have, over the time, had more than six. Now I'm so freaking busy, I just don't really have much of my own personal growth hardly anymore. All right. I mean, I got one little tiny tent going that it's not uncommon for me to have two months of veg in it because I'm just using one little LED and shit for the most part. Hello. Aurora Apothecary CBD Superstore located in downtown Fairbanks. Aurora Apothecary CBD Superstore, located downtown Fairbanks, provides families, people, and pets with a wide variety of products from Mother Nature. We carry brands like Renew, Green Roads, Creating Better Days, CBD Plus Oil, and Select. Aurora Apothecary, 2nd Avenue, Fairbanks, Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m., 456 Hemp. That's 456-4367. Aurora Apothecary, your CBD Superstore. For pets and people. Have a wonderful day. Did we cover your Wasilla Rever Rewind? I don't no. think we did. Oh, yeah, we didn't do very good. I got sidetracked. That's good. I, I... But yeah, you know, towards the end of my time in Anchorage, I lived out in Wasilla and we were doing, we were doing this, we were doing aeroponics at the time. We had gone into aeroponics, like I said, my friend was doing aeroponics, but we were doing it with a medium and sprayers and shit, still watering four times a day. And man, it's impressive when you do a true aeroponics system. I've never seen anything grow as fast, but they're labor intensive to keep everything functioning right. One person, one plant doable and your hobby, huh? It's almost... Do people do it in the rec market? I don't think anybody up here is doing aeroponics, but I could be wrong. Just take just There's so people much. doing like deep water and stuff, but a true aeroponics is hard to do. I mean, you've got to be super on it, super sterile, everything. So what happened in Wasilla that they're jumping on your ass so hard up here in Fairbanks? Well, 
and Montana too. Yeah. What it was is when I was down, we had some there. What it was is we were doing this system for probably a year and a half, aeroponic table, like 280 plants on an 8 by 12 table, sea green, basically. We were pulling dry like six and a half pounds every 37 to 40 days mm. on an accelerated system that we were doing. That's one of those things people don't realize you can speed up plants and they'll be done and taste right and everything. It's just small. Hard to do it. No, that's the whole thing. You have to have a system like that aeroponic system where they just totally thrive and grow huge quick. Otherwise, you just won't have nothing there. My first time doing small plants, I ended up with like a seven gram bud in a four gallon bucket. <laughs> anyway, back to it. So after, you know, a year and a half of doing that probably, living right across from the fucking mayor. <laughs> Dude, he, I could look out my front window and see the mayor's place just out of Wasilla. Anyway, fucking I take off for the weekend because I'm doing a job even going up to Glen Allen, picking up a dead dozer and D10 and bring it back. And my roommate was watching the place, but decided to go to town to get drunk. Well, the landlord came over and we were supposed to have dogs in the house. But my dog was in there, his dog and eight puppies were in there and he freaked out. So he calls the dog pound and lets him in to get the dogs out of the house. In the process, they look through the other rooms and they find one bedroom's full of clones, like a few hundred clones, and mother plants, and then our bedrooms, but then the garage was locked from the inside. So they took the door off the hinges and opened the door that way, and that's where our grown room was, was in the garage. The, um, the dog people? Yeah. The, why no warrant or nothing, dude. Because they're part of the SPCA. They're, they're part of the fucking troopers up here. They were trying to protect animals? They were looking for dogs. So that was a justification of uh, doing that. Anyway, once they find this, they're going, oh shit. Well, it wasn't that they found it that was the big deal. It's what they found. Because this system is a system that had been found. This is back in the days when everybody was leaving Alaska. The oil boom was over. 10,000 people a month were leaving the Anchorage area. Well, what that meant is there were tons of abandoned fourplexes, eightplexes, all kinds of shit out in the valley. Tons of them. And this person would go around, and him and his three partners started out renting a, a whole eightplex and doing it kind of legitimately by paying rent. And for a year, grew in this place and made over a million a piece learning how to do this aeroponic system. Well, my one friend left them and then set up his own like eightplex. And those other guys went around and started setting up abandoned eightplexes, turning the powers on, running them all full of lights and shit, making them look kind of legitimate, like they were whole full of people, you know, a couple of lights, few lights in every place so they could justify a certain amount of electricity. Anyway, long story short, a few people were taught how to do the system like I was, and a few people got caught with that system. Well, then all of a sudden they come across 
one, and then another of these four plexes and eight plexes that were set up fully full of plants. That's organized crime. I mean, that it, at the time, yeah, yeah, it was. Huh? yeah, and it was a very unique system. I mean, at the time, who the hell was growing aeroponics in the eighties? And there was a specific way they were doing it and shit. And so needless to say, I was like the fourth person that they busted with this system. Not to mention like seven eightplexes that they'd found at that point. And they didn't know who was running. And they didn't know who the fuck it was in it. But in every single one of these places that they busted and in every one of those eightplexes, they found one set of fingerprints that was in every place. And they wanted to know who the fuck that was. I don't know. I bought all this shit used. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, they were turned fucking red, dude. I'm telling you, they're so mad at me. Ready to throw me the fucking jail. They wanted to know where your equipment came from. Yeah, needless to say, I just left state before I was ever charged with anything. And they never charged me because it was an illegal entry into my house. They had no warrant to come in my fucking house. But I didn't know that. But so I you went stay. back to Montana? I went back to Montana for two years. How'd you know, know it was safe to come back? Here? Yeah. Because I knew they weren't charging me. It just, you just knew it was dumb. I got pulled over down there and never went to jail, so I knew I didn't have no warrants. Because so. I know Alaska, they bring you back. If you got a misdemeanor warrant, they'll bring your ass back, I think. Mm-hmm. But needless to say, I went down there and had my own genetics at that point, because I was starting my breeding you know, learning how to do it. And I'd actually done a decent cross, and I was just throwing pollen at that point, but it, I did some good crosses. So right off the bat, I'm doing this strain down there, very unique, and I get busted with that little three-by-three table that they valued at $67,600. And I get a year and a half probation. They had they never bothered to do a pre-trial investigation on me down there, so they never knew about my bust up here. So they couldn't, they did the same thing, gave me a deferred sentence. So I got a year and a half deferred sentence. Well, I go like almost the whole way through and they bust me for being hot smoking. This the three by three, you got, you got charged with that? Oh yeah. But it was it wasn't over the limit though, because you In said Montana was. Okay, you, that was what yeah, you Montana, back to Montana. Dude, if I'd have been busted a week later, or charged even probably a week later, they would have given me a life sentence. I guarantee you, because I was a week before the law changed is when I got sentenced, mm-hmm. or when I got busted for it. So that's when my the laws that applied then is what I got busted for. A week later, if you got caught with a felony amount with intent to sell, it was a life sentence, 17 and a half year minimum. In Montana for a life sentence. So I go to jail. And I'm telling you, dude, I am in jail. And it's like the people that are in for there. For which one? Which one do you go to jail for? Oh, for hot. In, in Montana. For the, the three by three. Yeah. And for that, I ended up getting that deferred sentence. Well, I was in jail with people that were shooting people and shit, and they were getting less bail than I was getting because they were trying to set an example with me. Mm. I was, I remember, God, the shit that happened, man. I remember trying to get a job forever. I couldn't because my name was associated with that big felony pot bust. 
that's the size of your damn end table, you know. I mean, it was a little dinky fucking girl. Anyway, they make it sound so terrible, you know. And I remember going into this job service, trying to get a job anywhere, you know, doing anything. Shit, I didn't care. And I had a friend that was sat out in the car for a few minutes filling something out and then came in just about the time I was leaving. And he said, as soon as I walked out that door, he said, that was the whole talk of that office. He said, they were all talking about, that's that guy that got busted, and blah, blah, blah. And so needless to say, I ended up leaving Montana. To get a fresh start. Yeah, just to get away from it. Did you come back to where you left? Here? In Wasilla, or did you come to Fairbanks? No, I came to Fairbanks. I didn't really like the rat race in Anchorage. I mean, it was great when I was 21 to 25, but I was not really into the bar scene, club scene, you know. I pretty much had a name in Anchorage, so I didn't want to be there. <laughs> so I came up here and... When did you get to Fairbanks? 91. October of 91. And the reason... I got busted once more up here, too. And the reason I never got in any trouble is because the one in Wasilla... I'm trying to follow these, man. I get know, so many busts. No, you have so many busts. So you had the one in, in Wasilla. The one in Wasilla I never got charged with, even though they busted me and I, you know, I skipped state, but they could never charge me because it was an illegal entry and they knew that I'd fought it. You left, went to Montana. Montana. Then you got busted. We got three busted in Montana. So I came back up here. To Fairbanks. To finish my probation and shit off, and that's when I got in trouble with Joe Jawaka and God. all that shit. You're just trying to finish your three months of probation yeah. with that stuff. And I luckily didn't have to do anymore. I just so you got that done. Yep. So you're in Wasilla, and then you go, then you go up to Fairbanks. No, that was up in Fairbanks when I got busted up here again. Okay, take us through this again. Okay. Wasilla is your first time. First time I got busted was Wasilla. Where it wasn't really busted. Charged. You go to Montana. Then I go to Montana. The and three I'm pretty three. sure they followed information down or sent information down following me saying, keep an eye on this fuck. Sure. Because three months later I was getting busted as I was like days from harvesting my crop. Mm. Then I come back to Alaska and I come to Fairbanks where I get off probation eventually and doing my fucking thing and I get busted on 5th Avenue having my six plants they give me another deferred sentence is that your neighbor where your neighbor's outside one laughing that you're gonna get yeah get caught yes. okay and got another deferred sentence because it smelled so bad there yes because they never bothered to do a background check on me they couldn't use the one... In 91, that's when things were switching big time. They couldn't use the one from then because it was a deferred sentence. So they couldn't use it against me in court. And they tried to, I'm telling you. Then the next one they did, or the first one they did charge me, the second one they charged me with, but they couldn't use it against me because it was a deferred sentence and they did my time. So I come up here, and because I didn't have a prior... They gave me that same kind of a thing. It was called a suspended imposition of sentence, which was a deferred sentence. Your Fifth Avenue one. Yes. And that was only because the fucks in my house were too chicken fuck to take credit for their fucking plant. I lived with four people. Tell me. 
had six plants. I'll take three of them. Fuck you guys. You take your plant each. And I only had like eight grams over that pound limit for a felony. Because that's what it was at that point. Like I said, it was a pound. So they busted me for that pound because none of my fucking brother and his girlfriend and my girlfriend, a bunch of chicken fucks, wouldn't take their share of it. What would that have done? It would have made it a misdemeanor and they would have fucking just left me alone and taken my weed. But needless to say, I got 18 months deferred sentence. So I did that sentence. But I smoked the whole time because that was during the point when medical was legal, but you had to get a doctor to sign it, right. which was fucking impossible almost. You had one? No. Okay, right. But I went in, and this is the funniest part, dude. I went in right off the get-go to see my PO, first fucking time. I'm talking to her, and I tell her my story. You know, I'm, I smoke marijuana because I have fucked up back. I had medical reasons. I had, I'm 17.5% permanently disabled. It doesn't stop me, really. I just keep going most of the time. And uh, so she goes, all right, well, I'm going to send you down, and we're going to do a drug evaluation on you. And I'm thinking to myself, great, I know how these go. I'm a fucking drug addict, so now i got to do seven years of fucking drug rehab and blah, 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 like it always is, you know. But I get in there, and I sit there, and I talk to this lady for like three hours. And I told her my drug history. You know, I've tried a lot of everything. I smoke weed now. I really don't drink. I don't do much of anything else. I just smoke. I mean, that's what I do. And I explained to her, you know, I've got medical reasons. And I told her, I tried to get my medical card, but you just couldn't find any doctor that would no. sign for it. I mean, it was fucking impossible. And so she goes, I understand the issues you're having. Because they get, at that time, they had the ability to look at your fucking medical history because of Bush or whatever the fuck. You know, right. allowing you access to everything they really want if they want. So she sent me to this place, and I told her, and I explained it all to her, and I said, you know, I, I smoke for this reason. And she goes, well, you know, there's this, she told me, she goes, there's this acupuncturist that's over by base that works at this herbal place that's in town once a month for a weekend that's been known to actually prescribe that. And I'm like, really? And she goes, yeah, maybe that's an option. And that was the lady at the rehab place. So I'm like, okay, interesting, thanks. So I go back, go in for my next monthly meeting, because I didn't have to go in but once a month at that. Or no, it was every two weeks right off at first. So I go in for my second meeting, which was the end of the month. And this is a response to your Fairbanks Fifth Avenue? Yes. And I sit down with her, and she's going through my papers, looking at what the lady had to say about my rehab, because it was fuck papers. I mean, she wrote a bunch of shit and she got down and looked at me and she goes, I don't know what you told her, but she doesn't think you need any rehab. And I'm like, good. So I don't think I do either. And she goes, I'm going to call her. So she gets on the phone and sat there for 20 minutes talking to this lady. Needless to say, when she got off the phone, she looked at me and says, here you go. Opens her drawer up, sit there and count it out. 17 sheets of paper for my monthly sign-ins, handed them to me and said, send these in once a month and stay out of trouble. And I never saw them again. 
never saw her, nobody, and I never went back into my PO. Hey there, Tokers, this is Lennon and Andrew, Andrew. here with the Toke Report. Day bow bow. Starting on Monday, we got $27 for any two gram packs of good flour. Oh yeah, and on Tuesday, we have good gummies and good hard candies for $30. Oh yeah, what a deal. What a steal. Yeah. On Wednesday, we have 30% off concentrates. I think we got some wax. Uh, We got some shatter. We got some batter, live resin. Am I missing anything? Oh, yeah, some of that rosin. Oh, yeah, we got some 707 rosin, so make sure to come by and stock up. Oh, yeah. And on Thursday, we do have $45 good eights. Oh, yeah. Great day to get some eights. Hell, yeah. And it gets even better because on Friday, looks like we're going to be doing $150 half ounces. Oh, yeah. What, what a, deal. a deal. What a night. And on Saturday, we do have $12 King Rolls. So you Damn. can get some good one gram joints. For Hell $12. yeah. Looks like on Sunday, we're going to have $45 for all our half gram oil cartridges. Oh, yeah. yeah. And our one gram Skittles is going to be 68 So if you want some vape oh, cartridges, that's yeah. the day. That's the day to stock up on those vapes. Oh, yeah. That's the day to toke it and smoke it. Well, stay high out there, Fairbanks. Stay fly, stay happy, squash all beef, and make sure to love one another. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Day bow, bow. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. There are health risks associated with the consumption of marijuana. For use only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Day bow bow. You stayed out of trouble. Yeah, and I stayed high the whole time. <laughs> and then you're done with the law. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah, I've been done with the law. In '95, we said probably yeah. It's a good feeling. Then it starts. We start talking about it being legalized. But then, how soon did you go back to growing? I was growing before I got off probation. Six months before I was off probation, I had a big room going with a friend. <laughs> And, and like you said, your selling wasn't, well, maybe in Wasilla it was. Yeah, that was but a little different. But when you got up here or before Montana, it was, you grew enough to keep your friends high and yeah. they got to smoke it. Tip, it really was 1,000 water typically and, you know, you'd get a, a pound or a little more maybe bud and, you know. And you smoke a lot. Crop, I'd smoke half that, easy right. at least, and, you know, pay the bills with the rest. Buy a new car once in a while or whatever I needed, you know, it was pretty much just survival. Because I smoked my weed. Mm-hmm. Just wasn't going to buy another crappy bag of weed again. I was tired of that inconsistent. Get a good bag one time, get a bag from the same guy the next time, it'd be crappy weed. Oh, I just got tired of that. It'd be soaking wet. Mine was just being able to get a hold of it, just get close to it. Mm-hmm. Waiting been, two hours. In I've the been super lot. fortunate, man. I don't care where I've gone in this in the United States. I've been able to find a, a bag of weed within a day, every everywhere I've ever gone. I don't know if it's my look, what it is. Don't really care. I'm fortunate. Yeah, I've been 
been able to scrounge it up places, but not good weed. <laughs> weed. And it's been really rare for me to have to smoke dirt weed. I'm not a Mexican weed smoker too much. What I call dirt weed, south of the border weed, whatever, brick weed. I don't know where it starts to get better. I'm trying to think of like across the Mississippi, but they're probably still smoking ugly weed. Because I was in Vegas and was getting ugly weed. Yeah, I don't know how much the BC stuff still comes down. No, that's legal, man. It's just a whole... I mean, the yeah, whole West Coast. you got Washington, Oregon, They're all going to California. Colorado. You can't tell me that's not what people are doing. That's what I've fucking done. Man, if it was legal, I, I made trips to fucking California to get weed, to buy illegal weed. Oh, to, to bring back to sell, you're saying? Yeah. All right, yeah, I know. Let alone going to... I'd have gone to Colorado in a heartbeat to buy something legally. All right, take a three-day drive and... Buy a bunch, bring it back. That's what people are stupid, man, not getting on the bandwagon. I'm kind of glad they're dragging their feet so much because it's going to be like a cigarette pretty soon. You're going to pay five bucks for an ounce of weed. And it's going to be nobody but big pharmacy dealing with it, probably. That sucks. No, I think you're right. There there are studies where they're saying it's going to become so cheap that they're going to give it away like uh, ketchup packets. It's just... That's fine with me because I'll still grow my own damn weed so it tastes good. <laughs> That's what I feel about it. And, and there's something about growing. I I grow mids. Just seeing it grow, just seeing so it from I. the very beginning. You know, the very beginning, watching it grow, and you have a love of your plants. And anytime I'm over there, hey, you want to check them out? Look at them. And I've learned a lot. I don't, I don't even know half the shit you say sometimes when you get off and talking. I just try to soak up as much as I can through what... And you know, since we've had talks, dude, I've learned so much more. It's I can't imagine. You're in it. I don't want to get into that too much because we're gonna we're getting close. I'm going to smoke a little bit more. I don't want to... I want to save maybe to part two for your rec market. What... And I guess to wrap this up, you stayed... Safe. I mean, they weren't really. Were they busting people much after that? After the, after the, after they realized I wasn't going to do what I did in Wasilla again. But not just you, but everyone. The the crackdown on cannabis really started dropping in Alaska, didn't it? Or were, did you know people still getting busted in the nineties? Hell yeah! Did you? They got hard ass there for a while. They really got back into trying to. Defeat Raven is what they were trying to do. Early 90s. But you were saying 95 is when you got hit, right? The last time? Yeah. So after that, did you know? Did you have a lot of people you knew getting busted after that one? Not that I knew. It didn't seem like many... There were still big busts, but nothing I ever knew who any of them were. Which really was surprising. I mean, as many people as I know that do it, it just really surprised me that the biggest one yeah, I heard about was just the um, the gold mine or something. Didn't someone have a grow yeah, inside a mine? Gold mine? That dude was an idiot. Did you know him? No. Okay. Thank God. What was the situation with him? Well, he had like this big grow room that he piled dirt up on top of so it looked like a big mound so long that trees were growing shit on it so it looked natural. And had this, I guess, big underground grow going. 
big, I guess, and had some dude helping him. And the dude ratted And the dude finally got to where he's like, dude, I don't want to do this no more. I'm freaking out. Got noited, I guess, or something, and said, I'm fucking going to leave. And the guy goes, if you leave, I'm going to kill you and your family. Something like that. And the dude's like, okay, I'll stay and help. And as soon as he could leave, he left and fucking told the cops. Okay. And, uh, that adds a different spin to it. I always kind of thought it was more on the rat side, but... Well, he kind of ratted him off because he threatened his life and his <laughs> well, family. Right, right, right. That, that changes a little bit. Yeah, oh, I hear you. But yeah, that was just stupid, man. But he couldn't survive without somebody helping him because it was like a 16-hour-a-day job already for the two of them. Just trimming up. I guess it was huge. I don't know how big it was. Yeah, I heard it was big, too. They took all his, all his yeah, mining equipment well, and all his mine. But that was the last big thing I heard about. Yeah. Not that you'd hear much, but that was that was a huge one. Yeah, the thing that we were involved with, what they were looking for, if you go back into the frontiersmen, into their archives, and look up uh, Phantom Ghost Growers. Phantom Ghost Growers. And you'll read some articles about those systems they were finding. Did any more show up after you were done? It was before, during, and after. Just kept on going? Yeah. It's still probably going now? No. No? I doubt it. I wish, dude. I wish that one of them fuckers that I knew was still around, other than the one guy that I know that he doesn't even smoke anymore because he has a real job that makes him piss anyway. Wow, he went from that to uh Yeah. He went from a long-haired hippie like me, pot smoke. The fuckers got me into it. He was just like me. I mean... I can't believe that he's straightened out. I really can't. But he does. He's got family and own shit. And the other ones you don't hear from? Oh, yeah. I still see some of them. Most of them aren't. No, most of them don't. Haven't done it for more than, you know, 10 years of their life or something, and then they stop. Do they um, have their own little gross? Most Persons? of them don't anymore. Oh, wow. So scared from it, or just did... Different times Just, in life. They're in places where it's way more legal, illegal. Oh, they're not Alaska. No, not most of them. A few are, but he's the one is, but he doesn't grow anymore. But none of the ones I know down there do either. Just because it's too dangerous, it's easier to go buy it. Did you feel as legalization was coming on that you didn't want? Did you want legalization to happen? Yes. Why? So I wanted to be able to go to the shop and buy a bunch of different weed. I remember that when you were saying that. Try other people's weed, right? Yeah. All the different types. What is... No, I don't want to talk it's about that. It's been disappointing. Oh. I'm not going to say disappointing. It's been a very slow road to get some decent weed. We'll talk about that in the next show. Yes. Of, of what legalization has brought. It's brought some good things... Some bad things. Mm-hmm. And you've seen the inside of... Um, it makes me really glad that I haven't started my own yet. <laughs> soon, soon, right? One day. I do want to. I do want to do a limited for myself because I want to do some craft stuff. It's time to step above and beyond. I mean, I've got some great genetics already that are in-house. You're going to start seeing over the next two months, you'll start seeing... Even some of my stuff you haven't seen. What do we look for? What's the number one that we gotta um, try? Well, my Tillamook strawberry. What's in now? Is anything of yours growing now in Alaska? Because you'll pr- the Much next you'll probably be in maybe. Nothing's in our 
shop, but in our rooms there are. But you'll have something in the shop house in a couple months. months yeah. They're like three weeks into bloom, so we got to give it drying time and curing time and all that. But I got like a blackberry that I bred and my dingleberry that I bred. They're both really good. Well, Mr. Hubbard, thanks for coming on for part one. I've been wanting to get you on for a long time, answering everything I ask, explaining more than it's the cool part about getting my friends on the show. I can ask them all kinds of stuff. I get to be someone different. I'm, I'm not being nosy. I just get to ask some stuff. All right. Part two. Coming soon. Right on. Hey, hey. Thank you for joining us on Far North Tokers. You can find more episodes of this time capsule of Alaska and Canvas on SoundCloud and iTunes. Check us out on Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, send questions and comments to midtoker at farnorthtokers.com. M-I-D-T-O-K-E-R at farnorthtokers.com. Here's Toker.